This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. ideas where we take the worst ideas on the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And today we, um, this is the silent echoing sound of um, (laughs) the absence of Zach Valenti in our lives. Um, We miss you, Zach. Please come back soon. Uh, He was unavoidably detained today and was not able to make this recording session. We hope that he will resurface like the brilliant phoenix that he is the next time that we do No Bad Ideas. However. In the meantime, we do have a special guest star. They are a writer and a performer and a podcast creator. Specifically, they're the creator of one of our favorite shows, The Far Meridian. It's Eli Barraza. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. I'm so glad to be back. I just realized actually last time I was on this show, Sarah was missing. That's right. So if I come back again, Gabrielle, I'm sorry, but you can't be here. Bye. Yeah, no. (laughs) just got to cycle through all of us and then you can then you can tell us which one of us is the best at this that's right that's right no i'm I'm taking notes right now you'll get my my yelp review later outstanding um yeah you are a uh, returning veteran to the field of no bad ideas um one of the brave one of the bold um some might say one of the foolish that has decided to come back into bad ideas thunderdome and we are very lucky to have you back um before we step into the Thunderdome, though, do you want to tell the folks at home about the Farm Meridian and just like what is the elevator pitch for your show? For sure. So the Farm Meridian is a magic realism fiction podcast about an agoraphobic young woman named Perry who lives in a lighthouse. And one day the lighthouse starts showing up in a new location. So it's really about her kind of reconnecting with the world, reconnecting with herself Um and the interesting figures she meets along the way. Kind of doesn't get a lot of a choice in that uh, reconnecting with the world. It's like one day the lighthouse is just like, okay, enough of this. We're going on a little trip. Yeah, it's a little hard to just like order things to your lighthouse when you don't have a standing address. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, seamless she does is not best. an option. Oh yeah, no seamless, no DoorDash. Like, I mean, she wasn't using Amazon in the first place, but that's definitely not an option anymore. Sure. Absolutely, uh, we <laughs> recommend that everyone check out and fall in love with the Farm Meridian. Uh, and after you do, you can also help them out because right now they are fundraising for the next season, uh, which we will talk about a little bit more in the back half of the show. But for now. This is No Bad Ideas, a show where we find terrible, terrible notions that humanity has had, and then we pretend that we are old-timey screenwriters in the Warner Brothers lot, and Jack Warner has just come in with this bad idea and slammed it down on our desk and gone, I want the next big picture that we do here at Warner Brothers to be about this. Get typing, get cracking. You have 10 minutes to come up with a great (laughs) pitch for how we're going to turn this bad idea into a good story. Um... And for better and for worse, I have the first bad idea today. Um, Are you guys ready to jump on in? Absolutely not, but no choice in it, right? Nope, nope. You you, you came back to the show, so you you have no choice. We are doing this. All right, well, let's do it. All right, this comes from our friends at the Huffington Post. 
I'm going to skip the headline and just jump straight into the article. All right. Ooh, mystery. From the Weird News Headlines and the Huffington Post. Here we go. And there will be a link to this article in the episode description if you would like to read along, dear listeners. The article reads... A suspected car thief in Manchester, England, apparently found the idea of being arrested unbearable. So he reportedly attempted to hide inside a five foot teddy bear. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Joshua Dobson's attempt at being a master of disguise didn't work, and now he will have to see if he can bear time behind bars. The 18-year-old has been wanted by Greater Manchester Police since May, when he allegedly, quote, stole a car and didn't pay to fuel it up, according to the BBC. Dobson managed to elude capture until July, when police were searching a house in Rochdale and noticed what a force spokesman described as, quote, a large bear breathing. Dobson was taken into custody and charged with the alleged crimes. He was sentenced to nine months in Young Offenders Institution last week, according to the Metro. The Greater Manchester Police announced Dobson's sentence on Facebook with some pretty unbearable puns. The announcement on Facebook reads, He is now stuffed behind bars after being sentenced last week for theft of a motor vehicle, driving while disqualified, and making off from a petrol station without payment. Hopefully, he has a bearable time inside. Well, it's not forever. There you go. Forever. Um, That is the article. Uh, I'm going to just put a link in the chat for this call that we have so that you guys can click through and see a photo of the actual bear in question. Uh, Dear listeners, I highly recommend clicking on the article for the visual aid. It is quite the sight. That is a large bear, but it is not as big as I was picturing in my mind. No, it must have been a snug fit. Yeah. Or he, you said he was 18? Like, he must still he have must some be growth. a little guy. It's a, it's a, it's a five-foot bear. So, like, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a smaller 18-year-old can totally fit in there. But It's very yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. Yes. <laughs> I'm watching that show right now, so that's been on my mind. Also, I feel like the guy was like, oh, yeah, you know that, like, movie E.T. where he's just like, I'm just going to hide amongst mm-hmm. all the stuffed animals. That's how I'm going to get through this. Like, yeah. oh, my God, this... This man is a genius, but like, obviously is he failed, but is he though? This is amazing. amazing. I think we can all agree on that. I'm just now going to be terrified of hugging a large stuffed animal and it hugging back now. And there being a criminal inside. <laughs> well, let's ponder those terrifying dimensions as we set 10 minutes on the timer starting right now. Yeah, no, the, this is the uh, worst version of, of Build-A-Bear that could possibly be um, is that there's just a person inside. (laughs) Right. I mean, listen, I'm a huge horror fan. So my instinct is just like immediately going to horror where someone brings home like a giant bear Mm -hmm. for their loved one. And there is a person hiding inside of it. And like, 
over time, horrible things are happening, but they're just like not sure where it's coming from. And it turns out it sure, was like sure. the guy hiding the bear the whole time. So but, it's like child's play, but instead of a doll, a bear. Yeah, it's like a bear or like, oh, I can't remember what the movie is called. But there's this movie where like creepy things are happening in a house. And for a while you think it's mm-hmm. a ghost, but actually it's just like squatters secretly living in this like huge rich people's house, which like so for the whole movie, you're like I feel bad for these people, but they're really rich. So like, I don't know. And then you find yeah. out that. You know, the squatters aren't even like actually trying to be malicious. It's, it's it is a whole thing full of twists and turns. And I will one day mm-hmm. remember what the title is. So sorry to leave. Sure, you hanging. sure. Uh, all right. Well, you know, um, so I haven't seen either of the Paddington movies until further notice. <laughs> I'm just going to assume that this is the plot of the Paddington movies. Well, doesn't you Paddington are... go to jail? He does in Paddington too. Yeah, I have seen jail either. That's the point. <laughs> So no, this is that's actually what I'm saying. the live oh recreation of Paddington too. <laughs> I mean, then it w- then it would involve Brendan Gleeson, so I'm all for it. Um, yeah, Paddington. Both Paddington movies are are delightful. In the second one, he does go to jail and teaches everyone about how to be kind and to share. Wow. And then he is rightfully um, exonerated Exonerated at, sure. the, end, at the end of the, the Spoilers. I just said I hadn't seen these movies, Sarah. I thought the bear was going to be stuck I behind bars. haven't spoiled anything. <laughs> that movie is a delight. You're going to watch it and love it. Anyway, yeah, gritty Paddington reboot. Uh, I'm trying to think. I guess we should we should try and figure out like is there something about hiding in the bear that provides like a particular utility, or do we want to go like the magic powers route, or is it just like this is one set piece within like someone who is hiding very creatively in someone else's house? Oh man, there are so many options. Yeah, I feel like because you know I feel like there the the easy route is to go like. It'll, it'll weaken something in him and he's like actually maybe I want to be a part of like the furry community now and like sure, sure. kind of like his in is he is like a criminal hiding amongst his community at like a convention and so mm. the cops are like we know that this person is here but everybody is you know <laughs> in, like... in their outfits <laughs> like you know enjoying their time sure sure <laughs> yeah um Oh. I could see that working. I could also see something where it's, you know, he gets into this bear to hide from the police and some sort of ancient curse that's on this bear kicks in mm-hmm. and then he can't get out. Like he's trapped inside the teddy bear until right. he in some way inhabits the bear, like until he in some way like, you know, it's like, oh, you want it to be a teddy bear? Okay, you're a teddy bear now until you right. like really fulfill the bear's need to bring comfort and joy to like the people around them. The, you are stuck in there the or something like that. The suit is like, like inscribed with the original true name of bears, which like apparently no one knows <laughs> because like you never said it, otherwise it would call it to you. Sure, right, sure. Right. I, I don't hate that. No, and if someone is trapped in a bear suit, the only place where they could interact normally with other humans is the convention. I'm just saying. I think we can have it all. We can roll in the deep. We can have it all. How much time do we have to have it all? 
You have over five minutes. Over, you, oh, you're not so even, you're not even halfway done with oh, your time now. here. Okay, but like, who are the people that like he befriends at this convention, right? <laughs> that through this like burgeoning friendship, like helps him to really embrace what it is to be a bear so he can actually finally and, get and, out of the and, costume. And what was out of sorts in his life? That yes, What that, is the lesson that he needs to learn by being a bear this is also so this is now like it's like somehow brother bear ended up getting stuck in here as well Live action brother bear Live action brother bear oh no right but the, but the thing about it with being a teddy bear I, I think it has to be he's stuck inside the bear not that he becomes a, a living yeah, yeah, teddy yeah, bear. yeah 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 totally yeah. totally totally no absolutely well i feel like because um, that's slightly different from a bear it's like not you know, about sort of being, um, you know, standing up for yourself or, or being right. um, assertive. It's it's more about empathy. No, I'm guessing I'm guessing that somewhere in the metaphor, like at the start of the film, the guy is kind of much more of a like real bear and he's like very aggressive and he's got like a short mm -hmm. temper and like, you know, he's like kind of a loner and he thinks of himself as kind of this like social predator. And then he has to learn kind of like, no, 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 no. You need to be less bear and more teddy. Mm -hmm. No, I love mm -hmm. that. Like, you know, if he's like so into like if he's if we're, he's still stealing cars or whatever if we wanted to keep that like that's a very like high adrenaline thing and being yeah. a teddy yeah. bear is much more about like hey like let's slow down and I think that a lot of people would see him as being super approachable so when people start to like open up to him he's like I don't know what to do with this <laughs> this is terrifying this yeah. is normally where I would knock you out and take your wallet but like I can't these my, my hands are too soft my hands are too if, big like, and I can't call I attention just... to myself otherwise the cops are going to find me at this furry convention. Right. No, this is going to be like very emotionally earnest. Yeah. And then there are just going to be these two idiot cops who are just circling the con, missing him at all times. Yeah. Um, the bear that he gets into that then like magically traps him inside itself. I'm just going to put it out there. Written on this bear's chest is free hugs. Oh, my um, God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or hug me. Yeah, something like that, yeah. you know. Um, and so he just kind of keeps getting more people that are just kind of being like, yes, I will take you up on your offer. Person that has very clearly signed up to do this at this conference. Yeah. And, and I love the idea like, of ah. like, he tries to like stop them by, you know, g getting a shirt, but it doesn't like fit over him or like trying yeah. to like put duct tape, but it also doesn't stick to the fur and it keeps falling off. Oh, Absolutely. No, I think that there is probably a little bit of like Santa Claus magic in effect. Of oh, kind yeah. of you know, he could try to like in some way like deface the bear or tear, you know, his way out. But the suit kind of like re-knits itself yeah. until he, you know, does whatever is necessary to um, fulfill the ancient curse. So that's the question. I mean, was like if the Santa Claus can be a movie, why not? Right. I, I would honestly watch this. So that's a mood. So, OK, truly, yeah. then how does he fulfill you know, the, the parameters of this curse, like what's our kind of like big moment where he finally, like his character are kind of like comes to a close. He's able to like actually remove the suit himself. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? Well, there needs to be someone that he's hurt before. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, you know, judged and shamed his brother for being a furry. 
um, mm-hmm. and now has to embrace him. That is, you know, like the low hanging fruit. Uh, but, you know, but like there has to be sort of someone from before the bear suit. That... Right. And he needs to be able to like offer them genuine comfort. Yes. Right? Yes. I don't know. It necessarily needs to be like as literal as a hug. It could be. I, I think that whatever happens, it's like sealed with a hug. Sure. You know, sure. Like that is kind of like the final act. And, you know, we can have like that moment of cinematic magic where, you know, they hug and then like, you know, as they part, all of a sudden he's not in the bear suit anymore. He's himself <sighs> because now he is the teddy bear. Yeah. I also feel like maybe it requires emotional vulnerability from him as well. Because, like, throughout the whole movie, we're going to get people going to him. And I think the fact that he also, at the end of the day, needs to seek out comfort from, like, his brother Mm -hmm. who he has wronged would kind of, like, wrap that up nicely. Where it's like, he may be the teddy bear, but he also needs one as well. 100%. I love that. Yeah. No, and and teddy bears are harmless right mm-hmm. so he needs to sort of let his walls like and whatever defenses that he has completely down yeah uh, i'm going to interject for a moment because we have 30 seconds and i really <gasps> oh really really want to find out what is this called mission impossible ah. oh my god <laughs> the unbearable weight of lightness the unbearable lightness of being <laughs> We solved it. With our profound (laughs) apologies to Milan Kundera, we are calling this the unbearable lightness of being. Sold. All right, that's it. That's that's time. That's it for this for this idea. I want this movie now. Like, where is it? (laughs) What's awful? What's awful about this is that unbearable is spelled the same way, so you don't know it's a pun until. (laughs) No, like it has to be like a different color on the poster or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but still, there are going to be people like walking into this movie like not knowing what it is. It's kind of like (laughs) why aren't we in Prague? My friend's parents, who like are farmers, they went into Brokeback Mountain thinking it was just a movie about cowboys. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Which you know, they sat through it. Yeah. They they watched all of it, but they were like, that was not what I knew it was gonna be. I mean, I think that like the way that you solve that is you just make the movie as we described it, but then at the end you still have based on the novel by Milan Kundera yes. <laughs> just gonna troll people. <laughs> and it's just sort of it's like, look, if you don't see the obvious connections, I think that that's on us, not on you. Excuse me. That's on you, not on us. Freudian slip. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, creative writing classes will weep trying to <laughs> connect the dots. <laughs> Uh, well, I hate I hate to to shift us away from this delightful delightful adaptation. <laughs> um, but I have an idea. All right, um, why don't you tell it, it to us? It's super bizarre, so okay. I feel like that at least we can keep going. Sure, sure. And this article, which will also be in the episode description, and which I also recommend listeners uh, checking out because the uh, the picture is truly phenomenal tells a thousand um, words it does it does although this comes to to us from globalnews.ca which is a canadian news site um so we're going we're going north mm-hmm. um and i'm just every detail in this article is another mystery and i love that um so i present to you both a man who has bought a large billboard in uh, Young Dunna Square, which is a square in Toronto, uh, to trade a single cheese string. What? Like yep. like stringed That's, cheese, and there's... Like string cheese. 
and there's one string and he wants he, does he want to trade, to trade it? it he has one that he wants to trade away or he's looking to obtain one he has one and he would like he's offering it up for trade is this like one of those things where people are like i'm starting out with a paper clip and you know like in 30 days i'm gonna have a house because i'm just going to like trade a paper clip for two thumbtacks and then each thumbtack for you know whatever 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 well let me let me read the article and you can judge for yourself if, <laughs> okay. if that is what's going on all right um so the article reads, if you've been to Young and Dundas Square this week, you may have noticed something strange. A large billboard advertising a single black diamond cheese string up for trade. Angel Domingo, Man. who bought the advertising space, said he found the cheese string in the refrigerator of his new home when he moved to Toronto. <laughs> he was just like, this cannot be left here. He told Global News that he regularly trades items on resale websites and decided he would try to do the same with the piece of cheese. Domingo said he is used to trading vehicles, car parts, and furniture on resale websites, but said that the market is, quote, filled with all kinds of strange things. This is probably the strangest thing that I've ever had to offer up, he said. Somebody told me that I wouldn't get anything for it and nobody would want it. But I guess some people really want it. Do they um, know? Mm, okay. Well, according to him, he has said that since the billboard went up, he has been receiving offers in, quote, droves. But... Is that people wanting the cheese or is that people respecting the trolling game of putting this on a billboard? Yeah, it's like wanting to be in on the bid. Yeah. Yeah. Unclear about the sincerity of the offers, but quote, I've received a lot of offers, he said. Some people are calling me again because the first offer they had wasn't good enough. Oh, yeah, sure. I think the most, this is my favorite part of this. I think the most anybody had to offer me was they offered me two Persian cats. <gasps> <laughs> However, Domingo said that as of Thursday afternoon, he has not accepted any of the offers. Quote, I've been telling everybody the same thing when they asked me what I'm looking for. It's like, you'll know it when you see it, he said, adding that he hasn't heard the right offer yet. There's been a lot of offers and a lot of it is just fluff. There hasn't been any quality, he said. Uh, Domingo said he paid a lot of money to put the billboard up, but would not disclose the amount. Uh, he said that the contract for the advertising space is only for a few weeks. Um, and according to him, the cheese string is, quote, still edible, uh, with its expiry date still a few months out. Black diamond cheese strings are still widely available at most grocery store locations in Canada. I just did a quick check and Google suggests that a mm -hmm. Persian cat, you can expect to pay between $1,200 to $1,800 for the cat. So somewhere in that range times two was the offer cool but, cool, but, cool, but cool. made all the more bizarre by not being in cash form but instead being in, in cat, cat form, form. <laughs> i just this was just so bizarre i was like i have to i feel like there's a bad idea in the making here i'm not even sure it's happened yet right <laughs> no i mean like in in some ways it's a genius marketing idea like this guy's like the banksy of reselling yeah because I insist that people are not wanting this cheese because they're going, I want that delicious cheese that I will consume. They are wanting it because this guy has now turned it into performance art. Exactly. Exactly. Well, 
I'm gonna start this 10 minute timer and we can follow the performance art rabbit hole however far it goes. I will say really quick before we go the performance art rabbit hole, my also instinct was that the cheese stick is cursed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he has to get rid of it, but the cheese stick is what decides is of equal value to it. <laughs> <laughs> sentient and can communicate Yo, and the expiration like, date isn't for the cheese it's for him it's for him, it's for him. <laughs> hell yes let's go okay wait, wait 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 hang on let me recap the idea that we're doing because we're now doing this okay so it's like a little like like one froggy evening but like rebooted to be like intense and gritty um mm-hmm. So Guy moves into a new house. He may be like is doing some refrigerator. No, I think that needs to be more intense than that. Like it's maybe like he's remodeling the house, Uh knocks down a wall, revealing a hidden crawl space in which there is like a locked ice box that has like, you know, danger, don't open, you know, (laughs) posters around it. Um, He disregards that, you know. Gets like a welding torch to get the restraints off of this ice box off. Thank goodness I had this bolt cutter. Yeah. Opens it up, and within is this single <laughs> string of cheese. Yes. And he, confused perhaps, picks up the piece of cheese, at which point he hears this voice inside his head. <laughs> informing him that he now has 30 days to get rid of the cheese but only but like it's like it follows you can't just like throw it in the trash it has to be bartered away to another person this is a very important question who voices the cheese Um, It's a real shame that Gilbert Gottfried is no longer with us. I know. I was just going to suggest J.K. Simmons because I just saw this movie, Glorious, in which he voices an entity in a roadside bathroom with a glory hole. And I am going to leave it at that because it's fantastic. That's beautiful and sold. Yeah. You know, this guy picks it up and he's just like J.K. Simmons, his glorious voice is just like, okay, champ, here's what's about to happen. Here's what's the here's what the deal is. Oh, man. And like, I feel like he would also go into the previous owners of the house and find out that they died of some like cheese mold related reason because it like it, oh, yeah, it looks yeah, natural. Yeah. However, they die. Yes. Yeah. Like it's sort of this like very freak happens to one in four billion people. Right. Mm-hmm. Cheese mold in their brain. Uh, very unusual. Like almost nobody gets it. Their brain looks Hella like pa- Swiss cheese. Hella painful way to die, oh, though. No. Like incredibly, yeah, incredibly painful brain and you lose function of yeah. key systems yeah, you yeah, yeah. slowly die that's awful um, I love it. oh my god someone has to eat the cheese at some point too <laughs> i mean i think that that like that has to be contemplated like it's like high risk high reward where like right. you know like you know the guy's like what if i just eat you and jk simmons is like i wouldn't do that if i were you buddy because then maybe you have no way to get rid of this curse i mean how how badly do you want to test this Oh, I thought of a gross, a gross thing. I'm so sorry. It's going destruction. Mm. But what if like the dog eats the cheese and, and, uh-huh. and poops out a perfectly preserved still in the package 
cursed cheese again. So it just like it just comes right. out the it other just, way. Like, goes right, on right, through right. As You're not gonna get rid of me that easily. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that as a set piece because then he he gets the dog to eat and he's like, well, I can take the dog to an animal shelter and they'll mm-hmm. take the dog. <laughs> yeah. But before that happens, the dog um, poops out just the cheese. He's he's yeah. still there. Still yeah. there. <laughs> Now, yep. I'm assuming that, like, the cheese can't tell him I'm looking for a value of, like, a quarter mil here. Like, it'll just kind of be, like, not enough, not enough, not enough. And, and I don't is- know that it's even a value. It's, like, you need to find the thing um, that, that I that consider. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, like, that could be, you know, a quarter million dollars or it could be, you know, the right song if it is, you know, a beautiful right. ode to the right thing. Exactly. He goes to like some like spooky shop and is like, hey guys, how much would you value cursed cheese? And they're like, I don't e- I don't even know what to do with that. Like you came to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then my question is, does he succeed? Does he find the thing of like equal value for this cheese? And and you know, maybe it is similar to this guy where he he's very good at like bargaining and whatnot. And for him, like Everything is mm-hmm. on the table. Everything is for sale. So then the question right. is, like, he's, what he's is it? He's flipping the house that he finds the cheese in because he just, like, does yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, like, like there has to be, like, that element of it. Like, he needs to kind of be, like, I imagine this guy's like, Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street. Sort of this guy that is, like, you know, I could get you to, like, give me your car as a gift and then sell it back to you. Like, you know, I can, I can buy or sell anything. And then it's like, can you now? And then finally, it is like the one thing where he's like, no, anything but that. And he finally realizes like, oh, there are some things you can't put a value on. Right. Yeah. But the question is, what is that thing? You know, the classic thing is like, oh, he's got a kid or like he's He's got got a a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Some loved one, family member. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's a dream is the other thing. Like he has to give up like all his money making ventures. Oh, damn. Sure. Take a vow of poverty. Yeah. Yeah, go like you start busking on the the streets of Toronto and um, you know live out the musician dream that he quashed when he was a teenager or something like. Because I feel like it has to change his behavior in some way. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. This is really mm-hmm. just like a, mu- a music movie about a guy like actually pursuing his dreams of becoming a musician, <laughs> <laughs> dressed up like a horror movie. Musical, musical horror is a genre that needs more more things in All it. I'm saying There's is what, Anna like and the Repo, Apocalypse the genetic orchestra is so and that's good. It. Yeah. If you need a zombie Christmas musical, and in the Apocalypse is the ticket. Beautiful. Um, there it is. Outstanding. Anyways. Yeah, I, f- I, I mean, we could lean into the the music angle, or is there like? I mean, it could be another it could thing. Be a, a, yeah, an item. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um... My question is: Is this a plot of decline? Like, do we even want this guy to succeed? Because if it is kind of like a horror comedy, for me, it's okay. If the end of the movie, he fails. Sure, that, sure. That and is that how fro- one froggy evening. Yeah. yeah, culminates. Yeah. Uh, I just want to clarify, though, because, like, my understanding is that he needs to get someone to take the cheese and give him something in return, Correct. right? Yes. Correct. Like, so there isn't... So, metaphorically, perhaps, he needs to give something up, but... 
curse wise, the thing that he needs to do is he needs to like get someone else to agree to willingly yes. take the cheese in exchange for something, right? Yes. Though, do they okay. need to know the full parameters of the cheese, or can they, they know it's just cheese? I don't. I don't think. I in fact think that think it's can. explicitly can't. Yeah. Like I think that there is something in the spell that prevents him from telling people about the spell. Um, like you know, like he goes to the occult shop and tries to tell them what's Explain. happening and what comes out of his mouth is just like and he's like just hold the cheese and you'll be able to hear him talk and they do and they're like it's just cheese my dude and so he's like walking <laughs> through talking to this cheese that no one else can hear so it could either right. be that or the people at the occult shop could be like what are you crazy like we're not gonna take a cheese like <laughs> who does that you know what do you think we are Amateur amateurs yeah <laughs> who takes a random cheese you think we you know we we know better than that. The problem is not Christ. that it's cursed. The problem is that it's just some random cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really more of a cheddar guy. So. so. Yeah. Oh. You have you have a minute, by the way. Oh damn. Jesus. 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 Um, <laughs> that's a good title for the movie. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Either that or like a little cheesy or something like that. Yeah. 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 Little, little cheesy. Um, a little cheesy. Yeah, because I feel like you would try to exercise it and like it just wouldn't go oh, yeah. well. And I honestly... The most bemused Catholic priest ever called in to exercise a piece of cheese. piece of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> the cheese is like, I'm not even Catholic. Like, what's? why are you doing this? <laughs> no, and like that is ultimately... Uh, like that is the solution of just kind of like, uh, you know, will you please take this cheese and in exchange... Let me join the Peace Corps or in yeah. exchange, let mm -hmm. me, you know, take this vow of poverty to become a Franciscan monk or something like that. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like it is not sorted like that is, I think, the has to be the ultimate solution, not I am giving you the cheese. You give me that good. It is I give you the cheese and in exchange. I get to join this yeah. organization of service in some way. Or the yeah. asshole uh, ending is the cheese is like. There was never anything you could trade away. Like you just, you, you just wasted, traded away everything, you traded away everything of value, and you just wasted yeah. the last like month or two of your life. Yep. Like I mean, that's pretty dark. That's suck. the fuck yeah. you ending. Which like I'm not opposed to. I feel like if if he's an asshole enough, you can justify it. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. that that was time. Oh damn. So I think I think we end with the fuck you ending. Yeah, I guess I guess that's it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to go oh, so dark, man. guys. No, 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 no. We appreciate it. If something is this silly, sometimes that is just the absolute right solution. What a bizarre idea, though. What Truly a bizarre strange. notion. I desperately want to know how much that billboard costs. Because it's like, how much can he trade this cheese for to even break even? You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm I like, it has to be that he's doing it for his own amusement. Yeah. Like, it has yeah. to be that he kind of was like, wow, I got a way bigger return on my taxes this year than I thought <laughs> I was going to get. Yeah. What is a silly thing that I can. How do you, you know, even tax trades like that? Like, is that a taxable can... thing? <laughs> I have no clue. But as best as I can tell, that's like the city center of Toronto. Yeah. It's not yeah. cheap real estate. <laughs> No, and it's a big, big billboard. Yeah, yep. I, I'm fascinated by this. I like. I need to. I need to know more. And that's that's where he got me. That's mm -hmm. that's. Mm, it works. Advertising. We're talking about it, aren't we? We are. We are talking uh, on about it. On a podcast, it. we're giving him a bigger audience for the cheese. He got us. Yeah, Still got up for us. grabs as of this recording. <laughs> it's 
So guys, if you want to get in on some cheese action. Yeah, but but know that know that you get, you need to do better than two Persian cats. Like yeah. that that was not, not that was not it. acceptable. It's not gonna cut yeah. the cheese. Sorry, guys. Ooh. All right, uh, I don't have to apologize for anything. Uh, let's, let's, let's not be hasty here. <laughs> Maybe some apologies are necessary. Uh, let's go take a moment to recover from that. And we'll be right back with more of No Bad Ideas. Hello there, Zach Valenti jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. Alrighty, welcome back to No Bad Ideas with our special guest star, Eli Barraza. Uh, Eli, thank you again for being on the show. Um, let's talk a little bit about the show that you make, uh, Far Meridian, which we may have chatted about the last time that you were on No Bad Ideas, but that was you know, pre-pandemic, um, the brain fog has set in and we've all forgotten what our conversation was even like that day. Uh, so let's go back <laughs> just like to basics. Like what was the genesis of Far Meridian? How did the show get started? Uh, boredom. Uh, essentially. Excellent. Very good. Excellent well, yeah. whenever I got bored, I was just writing like monologues for fun. And also, uh, I'm not very good at internally emotionally processing <laughs> things. So I was like, what if I did it on the page? As I'm sure no writer ever in the history of writing can relate to. Yeah, um, no. So much fun to just take your problems and then give them to a character. Right. Where you're like, oh, they'll, they'll, they can solve it. I have no idea how they're going to get out yeah. of this scrape, but they better figure it out because I need to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's essentially how it started as a bunch of monologues for these different characters. And then I was like, okay, who is going to be talking to all these different characters? What's their whole deal? And so that's how we ended up getting Hesperia, or better known as Perry, um, mm -hmm. who, you know, the agoraphobic young woman at the center of our tale. And she basically needs to reconnect with the world, figure out how to talk to people, um, figure out how to take care of herself, figure out how to, you know, kind of address how she got to this point in her life yeah. mm -hmm. um, and then eventually figure out what she actually gets to choose for herself now that she is much more stable. So it's kind of the character arc 
of Perry for the show. Um, and, you know, I love magic realism. I like have read so much. I've watched so much. I think it's just such a fantastic genre. And uh, I often tell people for my projects, I really like to pivot. So the project prior to the Farmerian was Ars Paradoxica. And that is, you know, very intricate world building, had mm-hmm. a lot of complexity to it. There were a lot of moving parts. And so yeah, I was like, like this, like crazy jigsaw of like how the different plot elements came together in 18 different ways of three dimensional chess. Exactly. I was like, listen, like, I love time travel, baby. Like, let's go. And then I did time travel and was like, I'm tired. What let's if? Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, what if? There's a lot of, like, nuclear weapons and angst. Yeah, yeah. so much angst. Uh, a lot of it coming from me. Um, anyways, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, what if instead I explored a world that is guided much more by an emotional sense of logic rather than these, like, very rigid sci-fi rules? So that's kind of how the framework of the Farmeridian works where a lot of people are saying like, okay, but like, what are the rules? I'm like, I can't really explain it to you. I just know it when I see it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like almost anything can happen, but there has to be an emotional justification for it happening. How is this challenging the characters within the episode? Terrific. I want to come back to that in a moment, but first I need to go back to something that you said because I think that it made me and Sarah almost jump out of our skins because Sarah and I almost passed away in 2020, not because of the pandemic or anything else that was happening, but because we spent that year trying to write a show called Unseen that was all monologues. And this is how we discovered the hard way that there's nothing harder to write in the entire world than a monologue. But you just casually threw out, I like writing monologues. I think that they are fun. So uh, explain yourself. Um, what, 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 what do you mean monologues are fun? They are scientifically difficult to write. Okay, well, in my defense, my monologues were a lot shorter than your episode-long <laughs> monologues. Speaking as someone who yeah. had to voice one of them, um, I say had to. I loved every second of it. Um, but And you were, ter- you were terrific at it. Terrific, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Olive so much. She's great. But um, for me, I... Okay, so I actually have, surprise, surprise, pretty bad social anxiety. And if I don't know someone very well, it's very hard for me to keep up in conversation with them. And it's like I'm trying to analyze, like, what are the rules of this conversation? If I say this, like, is that going to hit the right buttons to graduate to the next level of the conversation? Right. And so with monologues, and this is actually why I've always been so comfortable performing is like, oh, I just get to talk and I don't have to worry about what the other person is going to say or think or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I am just the one who's supposed to be talking in this moment. Um, So for me, like that kind of like outpouring that is justified, you know, it is very cathartic for me. Um, and I kind of just like get lost in the moment. And oftentimes, um, for at least the monologue elements, there is very little that has changed from the first draft onwards. Like there might be like little tweaks, but for the most part, what you hear in the show is very close to what the monologue was originally. Wow. It's funny. I actually have a coworker who, like, I'll, sometimes I'll like read aloud some of these drafts and whatnot, and he's like, "You just wrote that. I saw. I literally saw you writing that five minutes ago." And like, <laughs> and it works. I'm like, "Yes," but if you tell me, "Hey, like, you need to like have an overarching plot," I'm lost. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
like what you like the intricacies that like you guys have done with across like many of your shows. I'm like, how how do you do that? Yeah, like that's... multi-episode arcs. That's easy. A person <laughs> that has to talk for more than a page. That's where it gets dicey. Yeah. So like it's a bit like that's the really cool thing, though, about like talking to other writers and being like, oh, like, Absolutely. how do you do your thing? Because I don't know. But then this is how I do my thing. So, yeah, I find monologues very like bizarrely easy as soon as i just get going yeah. it just like kind of pours out and i think it i think it is because of that emotional processing where my brain is like we have this thing that we need to work out so if we just have this other character say it out loud like it's almost like a mm-hmm. therapy session we can get through it and then having someone with social anxiety as the main character is really useful because she's like this person just wants to talk and I don't have to say yeah. anything. Great. I can just sit back and listen and like give them they space to go. explore it. Um, yeah. But then, of course, that becomes tricky when there are more than two people in a scene. And then I'm like, right. how do you how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> like, if you look at Farmer Meridian, like, like you know, with Benny joining Perry. Uh, oh, yeah. For those who haven't listened, she does end up getting a friend who travels with her. Um, that actually made the podcast so much harder for me to write because I was like, now I have to account for this other person in the scene who has their own perspective and their own desires and wants and whatnot. And it's not just Perry and a stranger she will never see again. So that was a fun challenge. Yeah, and I, but, but I mean, like, you know, as much as we poke fun mostly at ourselves, uh, I think that Sarah and I absolutely had that experience of certain monologues in Unseen pouring out of us because it was just kind of like, this is a character that is in a similar place to where we are mm-hmm. or that we can kind of understand that just kind of like get out. And, and then- there's also something too of like, what what drove I think both of us a little bit crazy was having to move plot forward in monologue form. Yeah, yeah. and like when you, we got to like the emotional part of it, that was pretty easy to write. Yeah, um, but it's just like how can this person still be talking and indicating that stuff's going on? Yeah. See, my thing is you you don't you just tell people that the podcast <laughs> is mostly characters and vibes, and if you're here for plot, there's a little bit of it, but this might not be the show for you. Um, but no, like I feel you, or it's for me also the characters and vibes show. I love that. Oh, I love it too. And like that's the big thing with this show, though, is that like most of the plot is very like character and emotion based. It's like how are you taking this person who is so wrapped up in their own head and like slowly cracking them open? That for me, it like the structure of the show supports that inherently. So I, I think I was like a little bit more fortunate. Whereas like with you guys, you had this whole like world to build and things to explain. It, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think just the way the, the world our characters lived in both supported and didn't support our goals in different ways. You know, totally, totally. Absolutely. So how do you think that the show and also as well, you as a writer have kind of progressed across the different seasons of Far Meridian? Um, this you're not right now fundraising for season three, yes. right? Season, yes, season three, the third season. it will also be the last season. It was always planned to be three seasons. Like I've known how it's ended since the show began, essentially. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, and how is that going to, what, what is that ending going to be? Sorry. I couldn't oh, you know, the, 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 the ending is, is going to be an ending of the show. Oh, whoa. Bold. Yeah, that's how it's going to be I an li- ending. I like it. Um, you know, you the characters here, will say things and things will happen. <laughs> 
can see the magical realist roots of that ending. Right, yeah. right, yeah. It's going to yeah. be, It's yeah. hopefully it'll be a, a good time. I, You know, I don't want, I can't guarantee anything. I really can't. Um, <laughs> you can guarantee as as feels. characters, vibes, and feels. Feels, lots of feels. Yeah, no, it, 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 season three has been interesting. Um, it is majority written. Um, I have, like, I think maybe four scripts left to actually get out of Outline. But yeah, it is has been very interesting. I've always been very like honest about the structure of the show, where season one is how to deal with your present moment and be okay in that moment. Season two was how do you then face your past and how you got there. And then season three is like, now that you've done a lot of that work, what does looking to your future look like when you actually now know and believe that you can? you can have one um, since, you know, mental illness is such like a huge part of this show for me, at least right. with my own mental illness and uh, journey, I guess uh, that's been kind of my thinking of how to frame it, to make it super clear. It's like, this is what the goal for the season is. Uh, and it, it has been interesting to see how I've grown as a writer and how my relationship with the show has grown because Perry and I are both mm. very similar and very unlike. Like if I was in a traveling lighthouse, I would be living my best life. I would be like, yes, this is incredible. And then in season one, she's like, I don't even want to engage with this. I'm like, no, but like, you have to. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get a choice. You got to do it. You've been handed this fun opportunity at a silver platter. And I can't believe you're saying no. But also, I know that you're saying no because I wrote you. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that it is very interesting to like have a character kind of go through all of this and like realize that she has a future she can think about. She is able to actually take care of herself now. What does it look like when being in this traveling lighthouse is now actually routine for her. Like she's mm-hmm. used to this. She knows what the rules are. She kind of gets the vibe of what she's supposed to be doing, or at least she feels she's supposed to be doing. So how does that grow and change over time? And then obviously mm-hmm. we have kind of these ancillary characters that we need to, you know, tie up things with. We have our villain, the tattered woman who has been a presence throughout this whole show that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like. They're like, you gave me nightmares. I'm like, listen, I gave myself nightmares. I'm just inviting you to the party. Um, <laughs> I actually don't nightmares even... nightmares have to be shared with people. Yeah, right? that's the only way you get rid of them. I actually, I have like the They're original... They're like a piece of string cheese. You need to pass them you on pass to on a the different string person. Cheese. So yeah, it's funny though, because the tattered woman, I uh, one of the tears in for the Indiegogo is um, the memory re- memories resurface zine which has uh, monologues that i didn't end up using for the show and i actually am including mm. the original tattered woman monologue that i wrote years oh, ago dope. she's Ooh. she's changed so much since then of like what this original kind of like ditty is um but i actually don't remember writing it <laughs> so there's this kind of like spookiness <laughs> to her character i'm like i have no recollection of like handwriting that whole thing out but she exists and maybe i just was the door for her who's to say um i'm not particularly superstitious but that does give me the heebie-jeebies yeah i love by the way looking over your indiegogo the art for different perk levels with the different methods of transportation they're excellent Um, yeah, going all the way up to Lighthouse. I think that's brilliant. That is very wholesome. I will. I do want to give a shout out to um, Tall 
I believe their last name is pronounced Minier. Um, mm-hmm. They were the crowdfunding consultant for the Farm Meridian. They did a great job. We just sat down for one or two hours and kind of went through what I had already prepped and adjusted certain things. And they were the one who helped me actually brainstorm having the different ways to travel through the fog. Um, Amazing. And so that, that was really fun. And also, uh, I will say in season three, we will go into a little bit more about the fog itself. So that'll be exciting. Um, but yeah. And then as far as like all of the, the tiers and whatnot, I'm like, what can I make? Oh, I know how to do lino cut printing. I'll like offer that stuff. And like, I can share all the writing that I've built up over the years, but can't use in the actual show. So I really hope that people like those things and are interested in them. But I also know that most of the time people just want to give you money to support the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's been, that's been very cool and special just to see like all the people who want to see season three get made and want and want to see creatives get paid because i know i know you guys know well the whole getting paid as a creative in this time and age is is a struggle yeah it's, it's challenging i i will say i've been very heartened over the last i don't know like i guess six months or so of seeing more projects have higher fundraising goals yeah. um than in years previous um maybe it's just inflation but it also feels like it's becoming a little bit more normalized for 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 us to to value our work which i am big yeah. fan of yeah honestly no, and it's and it is interesting sarah and i are kind of in a point in our careers where we are doing more work with capital c corporations mm-hmm. which is exciting on some levels and on other levels it kind of keeps being a whole lot of it can't be this hard to get paid by these people. The, the the only reason why these companies exist is to have money that they can give to the people that are working for them. That's not why they have money, it turns out. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Uh, and but, but as we struggle with that, it is heartening to see more and more kind of the scene stepping up and kind of like in the world sort of, you know, developing better standards for what it means to create a show, developing better consciousness for the amount of money and the amount of work that goes into creating a season of an audio fiction podcast. So, yeah, like, you know, even as we grow more cynical at the state of corporate America, (laughs) we also are heartened and um, buoyed by what's going on with the people that we love. Yeah, I think I think, too, it is because that audio fiction, I think it just more people know about it. Mm-hmm. And just with yeah. that, people are like, oh, it is possible to be raising these budgets and and getting people paid what they're, you know, with at least if not what they should be paid, like a decent amount of money for their time, labor, creativity and whatnot. So, you know, and I and I count myself very fortunate, you know, like we are trying to raise eleven thousand dollars and Farm Meridian is a, is a well-known show. People are very familiar, like with my work and whatnot. And so. You know, I know I have a, a lot going for me in that respect. So when I see like other shows that may not have the same level of notoriety or same like name recognition within the audio fiction space, still having like these fantastic goals set for their funding, I'm like, yes, like this is how it should be. Like, you know, I always want to support like everybody else, the, the amount of other Indiegogos that I've given to. Um, so it is really exciting, especially with like what the WGA Audio Alliance is doing, just trying to absolutely get everyone to like share budgets, share their experiences you know, share contract negotiations and whatnot um, as as much as they're legally allowed to um, has been really heartening to see that like solidarity with with the union. Absolutely. Well, Eli, this has been a fantastic discussion. We are so, so thrilled that the Farm Meridian is coming back for one more season. Um, if if folks want to catch up or, or re-familiarize themselves with your work 
and obviously go support it on Indiegogo. How do they do that? Where do they go? Uh, well, you can find uh, the Farmeridian's main page um, at whisperforge.org slash the Farmeridian if you want to listen to it. Obviously, it is on a variety of different podcasters from Apollo Podcast to Spotify to uh stitcher and all of those places um and then as far as the fundraising goes like i said you can check out our social media or indiegogo.com slash project slash and i'm so sorry for this the dash far dash meridian dash season dash three <laughs> and that's three spelled out t-h-r-e-e um so yeah if you'd like to support us there we would really appreciate it honestly just spreading the word really helps as well we are doing pretty well as far as like the pace of our fundraising but we definitely want to keep that up so that everybody who works on this show gets paid because they do incredible work um i guess yes, myself included um but i just yes, i really i really mm-hmm. want to see my team get paid because you know this show wouldn't be possible without them so yeah amazing well thank you so much for making the show thank you so much for um coming back to give the show the finish that it deserves. And thank you so much for coming back to No Bad Ideas and braving some bad ideas with us again. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Like, uh, I love this show, you guys, and you all are so wonderful. So thanks for having me back. Uh, Come anytime, anytime. Cheese for for everyone. everyone. We'll have a little charcuterie board. This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.